Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and we are here on another Fan Appreciation Friday. Uh, very excited to continue this series. And as I've told you last week, we're I'm still working down the list of people who sent in applications. So if you haven't heard yet, please don't panic. I am working down the list. And, you know, now as we get into uh, free agency, it's going to ramp up in a couple of weeks. There's going to be some, you know, transactions I'm sure that are going to happen over the next few days. We will get to everybody or as many of you, I should say, as possible. So thank you to everyone who sent in an application. And I want to welcome on today's program, uh, Chris Koffel, who is from De Pere, uh, Missouri. And uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on with me. I appreciate you having me. Really excited to, uh, to talk with you. Well, great to have you as always. And uh, Chris, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how you became a giant fan, what you do for a living, that sort of thing. Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey. And so I just kind of grew up a Giants fan, you know, watching the Giants every Sunday with my dad. So uh, for me, that was probably early 80s. I remember Ray Perkins as the coach and then Bill Parcells coming in. So, you know, for myself, like Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, Mark Bavaro, Phil Simms, uh, 1986 Super Bowl, you know, all great memories for me. Yeah, uh, definitely. I could see that because that's how I actually grew up, uh, you know, watching giant football with my dad. And there's just something special about giant football that kind of brings people together. And, you know, did you you get to many games, you know, regular season games, preseason, maybe even some postseason games? So uh, as I grew up, we would always go to preseason games. So every year we go to two preseason games and then uh, it was kind of funny because during the season, uh, inevitably on a Friday night, my dad would come home from work and he would say, hey, I, we, we could have gotten tickets to go see the Giants, but I didn't think you'd want to go. And I would tell him every single time, like, we have this conversation every week. Of course I want to go. Take the ticket. <laughs> um, but we never went to a regular season game together uh, until actually we were both, I was an adult, he moved to Arizona. And we actually went down to Phoenix to see the Giants with the Cardinals in the 2011 game. And if you remember that one, the Giants were losing. A lot of the Cardinal fans started leaving in the fourth quarter. And I told them, hey, don't leave. You're going to miss a great comeback. And sure enough, it was. The Giants came back and won that game. So that was one of the, the first regular season games I got to see with my dad. But otherwise, it was just preseason games and old Giants stadium. Cool, cool. Now, I'm going to tease this because we're going to save it for the second segment because I want you to have optimal time to tell the story. But Chris has a really cool, epic story that defines his giant fandom. So, folks, do not you do not want to miss this. This is a really neat story, and he will tell us in the second segment. But, uh, Chris, let's, you know, before we get there, you know, let's talk about the current state of the Giants. You know, Joe Judge, 6-10, and 10, came in here probably surprised a lot of people. I know I had my doubts initially because I thought, you know, this is a guy who had been a special teams coordinator. He kind of came out of nowhere. And and, and I was just really, really impressed with the job he did and how he just kind of rebuilt this team. What are your thoughts about the direction the Giants are on? 
Yeah, I'm excited for the team. I think after a few, a few years of just questioning things and questioning the decisions, you know, it, it all starts with leadership. In the NFL, you have to have a great coach and you have to have a great quarterback if you're going to go far. And I think with Joe Judge, the Giants finally have someone who is smart. Um, you can tell he's tough on the players, but he's teaching them the whys of what's going on. And I think for them, to be able to say that if you have someone who's just this, this kind of the old Tom Coughlin, just this disciplinarian that you can't relate to, the players won't play hard for him. But I think with Joe Judge, the fact that, yeah, he's tough, but yet he will teach you the why. And you know, he shows by his actions that he knows that your family is also important to you. I know when Logan Ryan had the incident with his wife, Joe Judge was like, go take care of your wife, take care of your family. That's the most important thing. And I don't think it's a surprise that Logan Ryan then signed with the Giants after that for a longer contract. So I think he's the right person. I think the bigger question that hopefully we'll see this year is, is Daniel Jones the right quarterback? There were certainly glimpses last year where you could see it. But there's other times when it wasn't quite there. But I think with Judge, he's the right coach. I think with Daniel Jones, if he's the right quarterback, the team's got a lot of the right pieces in place. Hopefully this year, a couple more playmakers on the offensive side, a couple of people who can actually scare the offense. Hopefully Evan Ingram holds on to a couple more balls this year, and I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, Chris, I always feel bad when I have to rip Evan Ingram because he's such a sweetheart. But if I tell you there was no more frustrating person on that team than his performance. And I, I just, I felt so bad because he, you know, to his credit, he would always show up on the, the uh, video zoom conference calls and he would take it like a man. And you, you just would have to ask him about it. And, and he just never made excuses and, and whatnot. And like I said, a real sweetheart of a guy, but, Oh my gosh, what a what a frustrating player last oh. year! And hopefully they can they can get uh, some of the the good stuff that they saw in him when they initially drafted him out of him. Yeah, I just I remember watching him last year around Christmas, and my dad and I would always text back and forth during the games. And I would text my dad, and I would say, "I'm going to buy him a jug machine for Christmas. That way, all off season <laughs> he can just catch a hundred passes every single day." Because if he can hold on to the ball, you know, he's a great asset to have, great weapon on the team. But you know, there's just too many of those with his hand and it kind of float up in the air. You just know it's going to happen. And sure enough, the defensive player would grab it and away you go. So, no, I'm excited about the team. I think for the first time in a few years, I think they're headed the right direction. So I think this is really that, that year to see, you know, will they turn that corner and get to be eight and eight, nine and seven and legitimately have a playoff chance or, you know, do they have to come back and say we don't have the right quarterback, which would set them back in a few years? Yeah, this this is definitely going to be a big year. You know, looking for them to, for for Daniel Jones to take that Baker Mayfield type of leap. And and you know what? Look, I know a lot of people they they're down on Daniel Jones. They don't see the improvement. They look at the touchdowns, you know, declining and whatnot. But to be fair, look, if your receivers are leading the league in drop passes, if your receivers are not getting open, if they're not separating, how is that on the quarterback? And, and let's, let's not forget, you know, people talk about Jason Garrett and the offensive system that's in place and, and how it's not creative, it's not imaginative. And, you know, you had an offensive line that was basically coming together it was it was a work in progress, you know. There, there was enough talent there, I think, but it takes time to build a line. And you had a line that basically three new guys were on that line. There was no off season, no real preseason to speak of. I, I'm really not sure what everybody was expecting. 
Well, no, and I think you add to that. Nick Gates was the starting center, never had snapped the ball in his career. And that's the person who's making all the calls, having all the communication. So, you know, without having preseason games and everything else, and Andrew Thomas is your left tackle, yeah, of course those first couple of games are going to be rough. And, you know, I remember, you know, when Saquon was in the backfield, so often he would get the ball and his first move would be to dodge to miss the guy who was almost taking the handoff with him. So, you know, but I think after that, the line definitely got better. They're still probably not the best in the league, but you saw a lot of progress. And I think you're right. It really starts with the line. If you can give Daniel Jones some time, all of a sudden Saquon can actually start getting some good runs off of there. Uh, I think the team would be a lot better. And I think that's one of the things with Jason Garrett, you know, you do a lot of tape study. I don't do that as much. But the question of, was he so conservative because he had to because of the line? Is that really the place that he wanted to run? And if he gets more protection, will he be able to open things up a little bit more? I think that's kind of the exciting thing to see this year. Indeed. Folks, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer, special guest Chris Caulfield on this Fan Appreciation Friday. When we come back, Chris is going to tell us his epic story, which defines his Giants fandom. You do not want to miss this, so please stay with us. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your sportsbook expert. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trainer, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. And welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants with Patricia Train. It is a Fan Appreciation Friday, and here on the Locked on Giants podcast, we're covering everything you need to know about the New York Giants. But what about the rest of sports? Well, now the Locked on Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked on Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked on Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And Chris... You have a tremendous story that I know you are dying to share with the listening audience. I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Go. All right. So I hope everyone enjoys this story. Um, as kind of alluded to in the first segment, I've moved around uh, throughout the country, actually in international. So uh, the time was 2010, and I was living up in London, Ontario, Canada, which for those of you who don't know, is kind of a little strip of Canada right in between Detroit and Buffalo. And being a Giants fan, every year when the schedule would come out, I would see if the Giants were playing anywhere close. So were they going to play the Lions, the Bills, uh, maybe down in Ohio? And so back in 2010, they were going to go visit Minnesota. And I have a really good college friend, Bob, who lives there. And I thought this would be a great opportunity. I haven't seen Bob in a few years. 
come see the Giants, make a whole weekend out of it. So I gave him a call, asked him if he was in. He's like, yeah, absolutely. So Saturday before the game, woke up early. My flight was at 5.30 in the morning. I get to the airport. And as soon as I get there, my wife gave me a call. And she said, hey, I just got a call. And she was sleepy still because it was 5 o'clock in the morning. And she said, one of your flights got canceled. You know, do you, should you even go on the trip? And I said to her, well, it's probably the flight from Chicago to Minnesota. And I'm sure it'll just get delayed. I'll wait a little bit. No big deal. It's just me if I wait in the airport for three or four hours. So be it. So um, got to the airport in London. I bought myself a cup of coffee. Went to go through security. And I saw the sign that you couldn't bring outside beverages past the security line. I thought, oh, here we go. And I really didn't know then. It was kind of a, a bad omen of things to come. So get through fly from London to Chicago. And as soon as I arrive in Chicago, there's an announcement that the flights to Minnesota have been canceled. And so I went and talked to the person from United to ask her, you know, what should I do? My flight was canceled. And she's like, are you going to Minnesota? I said, yes, I am. She's like, well, three of the four flights got canceled. The fourth one's about to be canceled. So you're not flying today. And I was like, well, what do you mean today? Like, I'll, I'll be able to go at some point. I'm going to this game tomorrow. And she's like, oh, you're not going to get there for this game tomorrow. There's no way. There's a huge blizzard coming through. And so I said, well, what should I do? And she said, well, you can rent a car. It's a five-hour trip. And I thought, hey, I work for a rental car company. I can make a reservation and away we go. So made the reservation, got to pick my car. And because I am an accountant and I am cheap, I picked the Toyota Corolla as opposed to a nice SUV, which probably would be a lot smarter going to the blizzard. But I got into my Corolla and started off on what should have been a five-hour trip. So I started going across Illinois, and another little bad sign. I went to, to a, uh, get my breakfast, and they gave me the wrong food, which I didn't realize until I got into the car. So again, maybe another bad sign. But I kept on driving through Illinois. Everything was great. Got into Wisconsin. I remember kind of smiling, like, hey, this is kind of fun. It's like an old college road trip. I'm listening to music, having a good time. About halfway through Wisconsin, I started to hit this blizzard. And it went from nice, clear day to some of the worst conditions I've ever driven in in my life. And I remember going through and when I went across the border into Minnesota, it was even worse. It was now middle of the afternoon, but it was pitch black. Uh, instead of a sign saying, welcome to Minnesota, there's a sign that said the road was out uh, 97 miles ahead. And I remember thinking to myself, if the road's out, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Uh, but it turned out that I only had to go 96 miles. So I was okay. So I was going. And at that time, I was exhausted from just gripping the steering wheel so hard, from the car kind of slipping back and forth. So I went off to the gas station to get myself some gas. And I remember I opened up the door so I could go pump the gas in. And the snow blew so hard, it covered the inside of the passenger door completely. And I couldn't even see out of it. And so I was like, okay, I closed the door. I went inside to get some food and some snacks for the trip. And there was these two tow truck drivers in there who were talking to each other. And they had said, like, my gosh, this is the best day ever for us, the busiest day ever. We've had to get more people out um, left and right. And that's when it kind of hit me. What am I doing? <laughs> Why am I going out there and driving in this blizzard? But at that point, I wasn't going to stop. I had to keep on going. So. I got back in the car, kept on driving, and during that part of the trip, I remember there was an announcement on the radio that said the Giants' plane had been diverted from Minnesota to Kansas City. And I remember thinking, like, I can't believe, like, here I am driving in the blizzard, and they won't even fly up to go see the game. Like, that's ridiculous. 
So keep on driving and about four o'clock, which is now um, seven hours into a, what was supposed to be a five hour trek, I get to this Interstate 35. And that was my, my exit. So I hop into exit 35 and I start going north. And unbelievably, the snow went from bad to worse. Um, as soon as I went in 35, I looked on the le- other side of the highway. There were two tractor trailers tipped over on their side, one on the left, one on the right. And then on my side of the highway, the plow truck was actually off the side of the road. So I've never seen a plow truck off the side, but there was the plow truck off the side of the road, which meant on my side, the driving was even worse. And a few times my little Corolla started to skid, but it kept on going and I was okay. And I finally was able to get off at the exit that I was supposed to get to. And so I looked down my phone and the direction said, at your first right, go up this hill. And I remember thinking to myself, there's no way I can go up a hill in my little Toyota Corolla. If I make a turn, it's going to fishtail or whatever else. So I'm like, I'm going to take a really wide turn. I'm going to gun it as fast as I can to get up this hill. So that's what I did. Right turn, gun it. And I got like one foot and the car was completely stopped. The snow was up over the hood of the car. And I was in the middle of the road thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, I can't get my car out. I'm stuck. And then I guess just Midwestern hospitality, these two people on pickup trucks came out and they're like, hey, you're stuck. We'll help push your car out for you. So they pushed my car out and I explained to them where I was going. And what they said, oh, Go down the street, there's a gas station, park your car there, and we'll come get you. So I thought, perfect. So I went down to the street, um, went to the gas station attendant, asked if I could park my car there. He said, sure, go in the spot across the street. So I tried to do that, and once again, my car got stuck, and I thought, all right, well, it's just going to stay here until tomorrow. There's nothing else I can do. And I wasn't prepared to be out in the blizzard, so I went in my little suitcase, and I had a giant sweatshirt and a giant's wool hat. So I put the sweatshirt on, I put the hat on, and I waited for those two gentlemen in the pickup trucks, but they never came. So I kind of thought, well, do I call my friend? I'm like, there's no way I'm going to ask him to come out and drive in this. So I'm going to walk. So I started to walk back from the gas station to that hill I had to go up. And the snow, Patricia, it was probably two feet high. And so instead of being able to just walk, you had to literally like pick your foot up all the way out of the snow, put it down, pick your foot up, do it again. And so within a couple of minutes of that, I was exhausted. I couldn't do it anymore. And so I thought, what am I going to do? And my next thought was, well, I'm going to hitchhike. If someone comes by here and they're willing to give me a ride, I will hitchhike. And I honestly thought to myself, if they don't let me out where I'm supposed to go, I can open up the door, jump out, and I'll just tumble in the snow. I'll be safe. And so a couple minutes later, this car comes down, has its headlights on. I put my thumb out, and the car stops. I thought, hey, I'm one for one for hitchhiking in my life. That's great. I get into the car and explain to the person where I'm going. He takes me there. I don't think he fully understood where I needed to stop. So I'm like, oh, this is it. And he slams on the brakes. The car starts to fishtail, go all over the road. I'm like, oh, please, just... Whenever you can stop, you can stop. It's okay. And so he lets me out, and I realize I still have to walk a little bit to get to my hill. So I get to the hill. I start to walk up it. I look at my phone to get the rest of the instructions of where I'm supposed to go, and I get a text from my wife, and she asks me, how are you doing? And I thought to myself, well, do I tell her? Um, I've nearly driven off the road about four times now. I've abandoned my car. I'm on foot. I successfully hitchhiked. 
And now I just need to find my friend's house. And I thought, no, I'm just going to text her. I'm fine, <laughs> which is what I did. And I'll explain that to her later. And as I sent the text off, my phone screen went white and my phone died. So I don't know if it was from the cold. I don't know if the battery died, but my phone was dead. And I didn't know the instructions how to get to my friend's house. I just knew the street I was supposed to turn on. So I walk up and get to the street. And I think, well, I don't know what to do. So the very first house, I knock on the door. And I think to myself, if I was in that house, there's no way I would open the door in the middle of a blizzard. But Midwestern Hospitality came through again. person opened up the door. And I told him I was looking for my friend. And he went, got the phone book, and gave me the address. So I walked down, maybe another 10 houses. Thought that was the house. I walk up, knock on the door. person opens up the door. It's not my friend's house. And so he explains to me that the, the previous person had one digit off. And so I continue down walking and finally I find a house that had a flagpole in the front yard. And I remember from my email from my friend that his house had a flagpole in the front yard. So I thought, here I am. I made it. Knocking the door, he opens it up and he's like, you crazy man. This is the worst blizzard that Minnesota has gotten since 1991. I can't believe you drove through it and you walked through it. So I go into his house. Um, my jeans were completely frozen from the knees down, and I explained to him what happened. And then I realized that I had left my, I had lost my phone. So somewhere in that walk, my phone had fallen out. And so we went back out. Again, he looked at me. He's like, "I can't believe you did this." We got my phone. Went back to his house. Um, had some dinner, and I went to bed pretty early because I was exhausted. So the rest of the story, you kind of probably figure out. The next morning, I wake up. I come upstairs and his son says, hey, Mr. Caulfield, did you see the news? I was like, no, what do you mean? The dome collapsed. And so I had gone through all this to watch the game. And sure enough, the dome collapsed. And I kind of thought I'd be able to see the game the next day, but that game got postponed completely. Um, and they actually got played in Detroit. So the kind of ironic thing about the whole story was that if I had listened to my wife and stayed back in London, um, Detroit was only two hours away and they gave the tickets away for free. So I probably could have stayed home, avoided the blizzard, avoided my near death experience, gotten to watch the Giants play in Detroit for free. Instead, I was stuck in Minnesota and had <laughs> a crazy story, but at least allows me to, to share it with you and the, and the rest of the Giants fans out there. Wow. I'm exhausted after hearing that. I can just imagine what you went through with that story. My goodness. That's quite a tale indeed. All right, Giant fans, we're going to take our final break here, kind of recoup from that exhausting story. That was a great one, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. When we come back in segment three, we'll wrap things up with our Fan Appreciation Friday with Chris Coffell. With the ever-increasing number of auto makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the counterperson to order the parts on a computer, usually choosing the brands that the store happens to prefer? Instead, take your search for your auto parts to rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all your auto parts and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpeting. 
Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Segment three, we're on a Fan Appreciation Friday. And betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.com ag wherever you get podcasts and oh yeah they do cover other sports so it's not just obviously nfl which is in the off season right now but soon to pick up as far as you know free agency and the draft and stuff lots of stuff coming up so check them out locked on bets podcast and uh, again i'm patricia trainer here on the locked on giants podcast with chris caulfield we are doing a fan appreciation friday and chris just told an epic story i mean <laughs> that puts to shame the story that i went through when i was trying to get to super bowl 25 where i had to where i had canceled flights and and how to drive across the state of Florida. So that just goes to show you, you know, look, that's dedication, Chris. I mean, I, I tip my hat to you because if that had been me, I would have said, nope, not going, no way, not not setting foot out in a blizzard. Yeah, I don't I think if I knew I was gonna go through, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but <laughs> um it's a miraculous I always come back I'm like, I can't believe that little Toyota Corolla got me through the snow. But it, it did and it was pretty faithful. So yeah, it was uh, it was fun. Uh, cool story there, Chris. Now, Chris, let's kind of talk a little bit about, you know, we, we did we touched upon some of this in the first segment, but there's a lot of debate out there amongst Giant fans who they want in the draft, who they want in free agency. Who are some of the guys you're kind of hoping the Giants will, will pick up this offseason? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk in, I think, free agency about they need more weapons. So you need a wide receiver. And I think the, you know, the question gets to be is, do you go to free agency for that or do you go to the draft for that? And I think for the Giants, I would go to the draft. You, you look at the past couple of years and there have been some, a lot of wide receivers who have come in from the draft and who have just done well immediately. So, you know, when you look at the salary cap and think there's only so much money to spend, where do you put those resources? I would go to the draft, get one of those wide receivers who, you know, there's probably going to be at least three or four quarterbacks who get taken before the Giants. So they're going to have a choice of a good wide receiver. So I would bank on that. For free agency, um, you know, I think the the big question for the Giants is, you know, do you keep, is it Leonard Williams or um, is it Dalvin? Tomlinson. Last? Tomlinson, yes. Do you keep Dalvin Tomlinson? And, you know, on that one, I kind of wonder if it might make sense to save a little money and keep Tomlinson instead. Um, you know, Leonard Williams would be very expensive. I think he's had one, maybe two really solid productive years. And 
I think I might go for the homegrown player. And then see if they can get some more offensive line help um, because it's still, like you mentioned, you just don't know what's going to happen on the line. I think you have to have a solid line. So the Giants can get maybe a you know another good offensive lineman, uh, not maybe an A player, but a good solid B player on the line. And then otherwise, you know, Steve Tomlinson is a great character guy. I know one of my theories about why the Giants have struggled in recent years is that they used to have the Antrill roles and they used to have the Justin Tucks who were these homegrown, great captains, great leaders. And when Tuck signed away with the Oakland Raiders, I think they, they lost that. And so I look at Tomlinson as one of those guys who I think is a good leader on that defense. And I think that's what they need. So be able to keep him on the team, I think would be really important. So yeah, hopefully maybe alignment in free agency, get a couple of weapons through the draft, um, sign a good backup quarterback. So unfortunately, Jones is, I think with his running ability, he's gotten hurt a few times. And also be able to sign um, a good running back to back up Saquon. I think that'd be a good offseason. Yeah, they've they've definitely got some work to do, you know. And I I outlined on Giants Country a scenario where I could see the Giants keeping both Tomlinson and Leonard Williams. It's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie, but it can be done. I was able to come up. You know, I I'm, I'm, don't know if you read me on uh, Giants Country, but I do a lot of mock contracts. I've started doing mock contracts. I do a lot of salary cap work. So I like to play around with it and see if there are ways to get things done. And I, I just think it's going to require a lot of creativity on the Giants part to get this done. But, you know, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you, though. I think, you know, while I, I see the logic in wanting to keep Dalvin Tomlinson, who I think is a tr- you know, a terrific individual, like you said, homegrown talent, a guy you want to keep if you can. I think you keep the pass rusher because, look, this is a pass rush that, quite frankly, for them to accomplish what they did last year, despite not having a true blue goose, despite the fact that they played mostly a contained game um, against the mobile quarterbacks that they faced, I, I, I just don't see the, the purpose of hurting your pass rush. Now, with that said, if Leonard Williams digs in and, and he wants, you know, a ridiculous amount of money like Aaron Donald or something, then you got to, you know, revisit, rethink your strategy here. But my gut feeling is, is right now, Leonard Williams is, is definitely the, uh, the priority of the two, which really, you know, it's not how it should be, but I think that's how that domino is going to fall. Yeah. And I agree with you in terms of talent. Leonard Williams is definitely the more talented of the two. I think the question gets to be exactly what you said. How much are you going to spend on Leonard Williams and on that talent? Because, you know, right now the Giants are in a pretty good place. But you look forward another couple of years, they're probably going to have to uh, extend Saquon Barkley, which is going to cost more. And then Daniel Jones comes off of his contract, which is also going to cost more. And so as I kind of look at that, just trying to think about, okay, what's the best resources to spend the money on? And I think I know I, I did see your article about getting the both of them. I think that would be a tough one to pull. But you also know in the NFL with the salary cap, if a team wants to get it done, there usually is a way to make it happen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I used to be of the, the mindset, well, they just don't have the cap space. And um, this particular offseason, uh, just playing around with different contracts and they can clear out money and do what they need to do if they want to. You know, now you got to be careful. You can't go crazy with restructuring and kicking the can down the road, but it's definitely something that is is doable. Uh, final question for you, Chris. Uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy announced that they're going to open up as of March 1st. They're going to open up partial uh, fan 
I guess, fan capacity at various New Jersey events, various uh, venues. I think it's, um, I think, what it, what was it? It's 10% for indoor and 15% for outdoor. If things remain the same, do you anticipate you might make the trip east to, to catch a giant game this year? I would definitely, you know, either go east or uh, they play, in, I think they might play, uh, I think it was Tampa. They have a couple of warm weather games this year. Uh, so I, I was already looking at those. I would definitely take the opportunity to go and, you know, maybe talk to my dad, hop on a flight and go somewhere and, and watch the team. So I know actually they play in Kansas City, which is about a four hour drive west. So I imagine it's a pretty tough ticket to get, but uh, I know Arrowhead is one of the great stadiums to go to. So I think that would be a, a wonderful place. But yeah, certainly if we can, you know, go to the games and, I've seen a couple of the highlights this year of the Giants games from 2020 without fans and then just going back to some of the older ones with fans. And just it's such a difference when there's a great play and the fans go crazy or the other team's trying to drive and the fans start trying defense and you can tell it starts rallying the team. So, yeah, I would definitely want to be there and get the Giants the advantage again. Yeah, I can tell you from having covered the Giants this whole year, while, you know, it, it it was good in one way because I didn't have to deal with traffic coming in. To be <laughs> honest with you, just going into the empty stadium, it, it, it felt weird. You know, we had opportunities. You could sit in the press box or you could go out and you could sit in the stands. So if it was nice weather, you would go out and you would sit outside because, you know, it was maybe a little bit safer than sitting indoors at the time. And, uh, it, it was weird. It's like, you're right. You you would see a great play or, or something that you know would automatically get the fans excited and you would hear nothing but silence. And I can't explain it really, but it, I remember going out to the concourse because they changed the way they did the setup for the media. And we went out to the concourse um, to have our meals and stuff instead of, you know, having them in the press box and I remember walking by like a little open area where you could kind of if you looked into the area you could see like the stands and I swear I heard echoes <laughs> it must be nuts here <laughs> but I swear I heard the echoes of the roar of the fans or maybe it was just my mind manufacturing it and I said to myself my god I miss this because it's just yeah. it's not the same you, you you know even though we're in, in kind of a soundproof booth we do kind of feel the vibration of the stands and, and, the, and we see the reaction of the fans and everything like that. And I just think back to, you know, the playoff games that I covered in, in MetLife Stadium. I think back to, you know, 2011, they had the, um, I think they had the one against at the Atlanta Falcons. And yeah. it, there's just no substitute for that. And I hope it, I hope, you know, things continue trending and more fans will be allowed in. And I hope we just don't go backwards, which, you know, fingers crossed that we, we continue to make progress with this fight against this virus. I agree. And I remember one game I went to was the Giants against Seattle at Giants Stadium. And Seattle was driving towards the end of the game. And we were all cheering defense so loud that you couldn't hear yourself. But you felt like that was part of your duty to cheer on the defense to stop the Seahawks from scoring. And you know, the Giants ended up winning that game. I remember feeling like myself and every other fan in that stadium had a, a role to play in that. And I also can't imagine, like you mentioned how odd it was for you. I can't imagine for the players so used to high school and college and professionally having everyone and having that energy to play off of and just not having that this past year. So yeah, hopefully it's more than 15% by the time football rolls around. Hopefully it's, 
75, 100%, but it would be great to be able to have the fans in the stadium again and cheering on the Giants to hopefully play off and beyond. Indeed. And Chris, listen, this was great. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on with me uh, on this Fan Appreciation Friday. And Giant fans, I appreciate you for tuning in and listening all week here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Chris, before we say goodbye, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Oh, gosh. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, uh, it's D-U-B-L-K-5252. So it's like double K-5252. Uh, yeah, that's where I am. Looking following up Giants and Patricia following you. Well, I appreciate that. And listen, Giant fans follow each other. You know, I mean, the more it, it, it's great to ha- be able to talk to different people and see different perspectives and whatnot. So that's what this is all about. And uh, listen, I appreciate you guys. You know that, hopefully. And if you don't know that, I'm going to continue saying it. Make sure you tune in all next week. We'll have much more coverage on the New York Giants as we inch closer to the start of free agency, as we continue to track any moves they might make. And we'll we'll try and get another edition of Fan Appreciation Friday on Friday. Of course, that will now be contingent on whether or not the Giants make any moves, and I have to preempt the programming to talk about any breaking moves. But otherwise, next week, plan for a Twitter Tuesday and all the usual stuff we cover here on the Locked on Giants podcast. For Chris Coffelt, I am Patricia Trainer. Thank you, and have a great, great weekend.